Let's get educated. That's why we're here, to bring you the stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses. It's time for a little education. Well, hello everyone and welcome. I am Katie Patrick and I'm joined by Mr. David Fiorazzo. I am here again and we are going to bring it today, aren't we Katie? We are going to bring it because that's what we do. That's we right. bring the things and that's then they right. have been brought in. That's, that's not right. Anyway. Okay, so it's once again that special time to check in with Mr. Alex Newman to see what he has to share with us this week. Hey, Alex. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. So, um, yeah, it turns out that uh, California and uh, the government schools, they call them there, are not very good at teaching kids math. Uh, in fact, less than one third of the kids in California actually even meet the dumbed down California math standards. So they have a new plan. Apparently math is racist. And so now they're going to make it less racist by doing less math. Um, you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Uh, true story. They're planning to make math less about math and more about diversity and uh, left wing ideology. So as California's children get progressively dumber and dumber and dumber as measured on their own dumbed down academic testing and standards, well, they just adopted a new woke mathematics framework that quite ironically is being criticized by experts all across the political spectrum. Uh, so this new math scheme is, uh, they, they openly tell you it's designed to promote social justice and equity and uh, all these kinds of things. But again, it radically de-emphasizes actual math, which you'd think would be the point of doing math, but apparently not. Uh, a lot of experts have actually warned, uh, again, quite ironically, that this is going to hurt minorities and poor people the most. Uh, of course, poor people, especially since they can't afford to supplement their government uh, indoctrination, I mean, education uh, with a tutor or or, uh, you know, extra resources, but uh, they're moving ahead anyway. Uh, you know, they also say they want to have more uh, women and minorities in STEM. And so, uh, so that's uh, what science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, so this is a great way to make sure that it doesn't happen. Um, but uh, anyways, that's what they're doing. Now, uh, the State Board of Education President, uh, Linda Darling-Hammond, uh, who happens to be a radical left-wing activist and a known associate of the communist terrorist Bill Ayers, Yes, that Bill Ayers, the guy who bombed the Pentagon, bombed the State Department, bombed the Capitol back when they didn't really care about uh, insurrections and uh, targeting the Capitol. That guy, uh, the guy who launched Barack Obama's political career in his living room in Chicago. Yeah, that terrorist uh, working with communist Cuban intelligence. Yep, that terrorist, the, the terrorist who, according to the FBI guy who infiltrated them, Larry Grathwall, was planning to exterminate about 25 million Americans once they had the revolution and they invited the Chicoms and the Soviets in. Yeah, that guy. Uh, so Linda Darlingham, and she is now uh, an educator, apparently. And here's what she says. Uh, this framework provides strategies to challenge, engage, and support all students in deep and relevant math learning by building on successful approaches used in nations that produce high and equitable achievement in math. Okay. Uh, she says it also draws on the experiences of educators who have worked for a decade to develop successful strategies for teaching California's rigorous standards, carrying those lessons to others across the state. And she says uh, this framework provides teachers and schools with a path to greater excellence with greater equity. Uh, and that's interesting. Um, it's very interesting that they put this lady in charge of the state's uh, indoctrination programs because uh, she actually had an opportunity to try out her quackery. Uh, she was given charge of the uh, Stanford New Schools. Um, yeah, and that worked really well. Uh, they were actually in the lowest achieving 5% of all the schools in California, which is quite ironically a state filled with schools where kids cannot read, cannot write. Uh, they can tell you all the latest gender stuff. They can tell you about climate change and equity, but they can't actually read their high school diplomas. So imagine being in the bottom 5% of that 
And then imagine being rewarded with the spot as president of the state school board. And then you get a sense of what's going on in the land of fruits and nuts, better known as California. Uh, so again, they openly tell you this program is to promote social justice. Of course, that's a term used by Marxists and totalitarians to uh, sanitize the ideas they're pushing, which of course have resulted in hundreds of millions of government murders around the world and countless other horrors, billions of people enslaved. Uh, but don't worry, it'll be different this time, right? It always is. They're always one execution away from utopia. Uh, and again, the, the framework actually tells you that its goal is to teach towards social justice. Here's from the thousand page document. They say, uh, cultural and personal relevance is important for learning and also for creating mathematical communities that reflect California's diversity. Uh, educators can learn to notice, utilize, and value students' identities, assets, and cultural resources to support learning for all students. And so if you're confused by that word salad, uh, yeah, me too. Uh, they go on to say in this document, additionally, because culture and language can be intertwined, adding to cultural relevance may also enable teachers to attend to linguistic diversity, a key feature of California and relevant to the teaching and learning of mathematics. Interesting. Uh, now, California, like I said, is a disaster when it comes to education. Uh, they spend more than almost any other state per pupil, and yet less than one third of the students meet the state's own dumbed down math standards. Millions of California victims of public schools cannot even read. In fact, they got sued over it. And yet under this new framework, uh, students will now wait until high school to do algebra, which means almost none of them will be doing calculus before they graduate. Now, I'm sure that'll be great for uh, California. Uh, now, Republicans have criticized this. A Republican state senator uh, Scott Wilk. Uh, he's on the Senate Education Committee. He says math concepts can be difficult to grasp, but there's nothing wrong with meeting kids where they are. But woke math is not the answer. He said if California wants to be a STEM leader, it needs to keep high standards and prove to minority students and students in underserved communities that they have the power within them to master those standards. Now, we actually warned about this back in November of 2021. You had a thousand experts and mathematicians telling the state that this was uh, basically bat poop crazy. Um, they said they were building a uh, mathless, brave new world on a foundation of unsound ideology. And so they proceeded to go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, and by the way, this is the same state board of education that just a couple of years ago voted to mandate uh, an ethnic studies model curriculum that had elementary school children chant to the demon gods of the Aztecs of cannibalism and human sacrifice. Uh, it's also the same state where uh, government schools have repeatedly been exposed, trying to normalize not just the gender bending, but also even pedophilia and child rape. So uh, ultimately, folks, meddling with the math standards in California is like polishing the brass handles on the Titanic. Uh, it's at best a total waste of time. If you love your kids, get them out of the state's indoctrination centers. And um, yeah, it's the only way they're going to get an actual education. Thankfully, it's becoming easier and easier as millions of families flee. Thanks, guys. So why do people tear down crosses if the Bible isn't true or a threat? Also, why fight to remove Christian symbols across the country if people weren't threatened or uncomfortable by them? Well, in California, intolerant leftists finally tore down a 28-foot-tall cross that stood in a small town for more than 50 years. Now, they attack, cancel, censor, and suppress because they hate us, all because they hate what the cross of Jesus Christ represents. Details coming up. I'm David Fiorazzo, and this is Christ and Culture. A 
Another legal battle is underway, this time in Albany Hill, California, just outside of San Francisco, over a cross and religious freedom. Okay, so it is California, right? But bear with me. A very small group of Christians in an overwhelmingly anti-Christian city in one of the top three demonic, I mean, Democrat strongholds in the nation are fighting to put the cross back up after it was removed last month. So the cross has lived on a hill overlooking California's East Bay since 1970. The Lions Club was granted an easement a few years later and the land was turned into a public park where the cross was built and put up. So the metal and plexiglass cross has been illuminated for Christmas and Easter. But in 2015, all of a sudden, a group called East Bay Atheists demanded it be taken down, claiming the display was against the Constitution. Two years later, 2017, mayor at the time, Peggy McQuaid, Albany's liberal mayor, criticized the Lions Club and declared this, quote, I want to reiterate that neither the city council nor the city of Albany endorses in any way the lighting of the cross for any occasion, religious or nationalistic, or supports its continued presence on public property, end quote. Well, the next year, 2018, an activist judge ruled that the cross violated the Establishment Clause and the city was forced to either sell a private part uh, to sell to a private party the small plot of ground where the cross rested or acquire the easement through eminent domain. Well, just last year, the city council voted and passed a resolution to acquire the small plot of land and deny the Lions Club who offered to purchase it. The cross was quietly removed and taken off the property June 8th, 2022. The new mayor of Albany, Aaron Tideman implied the cross and what it stands for is against the values of the people there. Listen to this. He said, quote, the city has actually put its money where its mouth is. And our city looks a little bit more accepting now in a way that we think is consistent with our values. For the small local group of people that really want to see the cross stay, well, you've had such privilege for so long. Losing it feels like being oppressed. That's going to be an adjustment for folks, but I think we will all get used to it, and I think it's a real benefit, end quote. There's a lot to unpack there, but the California town is accepting by rejecting the faith of a majority of, of Americans? That's right, though, this is near San Francisco. We have to remember that. Also, did he play the privilege card? White? Christian, American, heterosexual privilege? Got it. Also, notice this, what he said. He predicted people will just get used to the cross being gone. Now, I agree with him in part here because this is sadly true in our history when we consider the removal of the Bible, God, prayer, and even the Ten Commandments from government schools and public property as well as in the public square. Lions Club president Kevin Pope recognized the fact the liberal leaders want to eradicate any remembrance of the Christian faith from the public square. And the same thing has happened across the country in recent decades, as we know, as hatred of the Bible, God, and Christians, his followers, has become common. Commenting on the removal of the cross, here's what Pope said. Not the Pope, but 
Mr. Pope, the city council seems to hate what it represents. And rather than take an amount of money for the land and sell it to the Lions Club, they've decided to spend what we think is probably close to $1 million to resolve this issue instead of doing the easy thing. That's how much they hate it. Well, he believes a lot of people supported the cross in question, and the Lions Club is appealing the decision. Now, Mr. Pope argued that a lot of people would go up there and pray and have church services. Now, to some, it was sacred ground, and the bullies exposed their intolerance toward Christian values. It's as if they want to cancel Christianity. Huh, someone should write a book about that. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now the bench trial began last Tuesday and will determine whether the city must give the cross back to the group or if the Lions Club will receive a settlement from the city for its removal. Well, this is just another example, friends, of how much ground the left has taken. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at MyPillow. Save up to 66% on pristine quality bedding, towels, slippers, signature pillows, and much more when you use the code EDUCATED. That's E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, -E EDUCATED. Support this show and a great American company. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Dr. Duke Show. I am Dr. Duke, and I am joined today by Vicki McKenna. And Vicki, you are not high today. You can confirm that, right? <laughs> 100% confirm. Okay. I don't do drugs. <laughs> All right, good. Because the enthusiasm, one has to question your motivations for being so awake right, so early. Right, because everything's pretty darn miserable, quite yeah. honestly. So, you know, being chipper, oh, I'll work myself into some kind of froth. Fear not. Well, humor really is the best response to all this liberal stupidity. And we've got stories that are, are, are exactly making our point, our point here, right? That one of the reasons that conservatives and Christians are much happier in their lives than the progressive left is because we have a sense of humor. They don't. The first story here, liberal youth, according to a study, are far, far more depressed than their conservative counterparts, counterparts especially especially, and you knew this, right? The women, the girls are really miserable once they adopt progressivism, <laughs> right? And I think True. in part, in part, that's because progressives, progressive women hate men and most women don't, do they, Vicki? Well, no, no, most women don't hate men. Progressives, <laughs> I mean, this, this survey, it's very interesting. They're they're pondering why why do progressive women feel so lousy about themselves? Why do progressive men feel so lousy about themselves? And geez, we just don't know what it is. What could be causing this? Well, I don't know. If you are telling um, you know a thirteen year old girl that she should rage at men at uh, systemic racism, white supremacy, and God because she's got a period, and that it's somebody's fault. I mean, you know, it's setting the stage. It's setting the stage for, um, you know, for a life of of vindictive feelings <clears throat> and and you know, blaming everything awful on some externality 
that some other uh, is stopping, you know, is stopping from being changed into perfection. So I'm not surprised that people who, you know, don't even like the fact that they have to wear a bra, you know, might make them depressed because they're fixated on the things that, you know, that have no fault. (laughs) I guess God's responsible. I've been a 30-year teacher, and I can tell you 99.9% of the time, in the many times that I've been complained about in my classroom, it's always feminist women. It's always young women who have bought the lie of, of, of feminism. I point out in my university classes all the time, particularly to the young women, look, first of all, patriarchy, the word patriarchy is a slam right? It is an insult. You are judging people by their anatomy, number one. And number two, I point out to them, I wish I had what you guys have, you ladies. Uh, You have a get out of free card for all responsibility. Whenever something bad happens to you, you have acne or you you don't get an invitation to the prom or some guy in a a pickup truck cuts you off on the highway. Your response to all of that is is patriarchy. Men Men suck, men are evil. Every bad thing that you do say every lazy thing that you do you can blame on men that's a powerful right, your tool obesity yeah, you're, it's exactly men's fault. or the, yes, you're, exactly. Your, un, your uncomfortability in your own body is the fault of men so you and so what's the solution become men it cut is so childish breasts. yep <laughs> no it's so childish well, it's true, and then and then the men are also depressed, but if you're constantly saying, toxic masculinity, you're horrible, you're the reason this is happening to me, you know, and you know, you've got men who are also progressives, small wonder that they start feeling pretty lousy about themselves too. It is, it, it's this idea that every, you know, that everything is about who's the victim and who's the oppressor. If that's the way you're gonna, you're going to see the world, you're never going to feel happy. It's just, you could, there's always a victim and there's always an oppressor. You can create any situation where there's a victim and an oppressor. Two people sitting down, having coffee, someone, two women, someone walks up and says, uh, so what are you guys gonna order today? Guys, are you kidding me? You know, that's the, you can find a reason to be angry about everything. That is progressivism in a short, you know, summation. You can find a reason to be angry about everything and you are always the person being slighted. It is a gigantic persecution complex. And uh, and yeah, so um, it's not, you know, you don't have to be terribly deep and sociological about this. It's pretty easy to see. Common sense would tell you progressive people are necessarily going to feel like crap. Well, we start by teaching women that they should hate their bodies, they should hate motherhood, they should hate pregnancy, they should hate their periods, they should hate their brothers and their fathers and their their uncles, they're all aggressors. They they hate culture, reading and math and science discriminate against them because they don't get as, they don't go into those fields as much as men do. Every aspect of this they turn to hate. So why don't they hate themselves? Take a look, we have some information about- They do hate themselves. They do. We have some information about this study. It was done by a Columbia, uh, this is a Columbia University study, which revealed striking differences between conservative and liberal uh, people, particularly women and men. Uh, Adolescent internalization symptoms. 
i.e. depression, has increased over the last de decade in the U.S., particularly among girls. The reasons for these increases are unclear. Really? They're unclear, Com Columbia University? We hypothesize that increasing exposure to politicized events has contributed to these trends in adolescent internalizing symptoms and that effects may be differential by political beliefs and socio-demographic characteristics. You were a sociology major. Is that not, not, not that, is that not the excuse me is that not the definition of sociological mumbo jumbo word salad oh yeah well i must say yes it is it is a it is a well-tossed word salad that was that was what i did um you know and i and i've many times apologized for uh for seeking out a sociology major but mostly can i just on a side here most of the reason why i picked the sociology major was because it was a layup and i wanted to have fun in college and it was really easy to write papers filled with tossed word salad uh and you know and have a professor strain to try to find deep and profound meaning in what you said. But I got to so ask So it was you. an easy A, I'm just saying. See, we've wandered <laughs> down this path. I'm going to ask you this question. Were you a true believer even in the depths of your Marxist uh, bona fides or somewhere in the back of your mind did you know it was all bull? Oh, listen, I'm glad you asked that because I exempted myself from the rules that I wanted to apply to the entire society. I made excuses for everybody's failure. You know, it's because they're black. It's because they're poor. It's because, you know, their life chances have or the, or the world has been rigged against them. But, you know, I didn't give myself the same excuses to fail. Um, you know, I was I was still going to be self-directed and personal and responsible. So, yeah, I was a really lousy Marxist because I wouldn't live it. Uh, I wanted to impose it on everyone else except myself, very much like the elites you see today. I wanted to exempt myself from the implications of everything that I was that I was you know ready to demand for all of society. So, yeah, I was a pretty crappy Marxist. And then when I did finally quit, I was in graduate school in social theory. And where do you go with that? I'll tell you where you go bartending. That's where you go with a uh, Ph.D. in social theory. Uh, and when I quit, my professor asked me why <laughs> I said, I had an old English teacher in high school who who told me that studying sociology was forgive the profanity here, folks, was. And that's what I told the professor in grad school when I left. I said, I'm thinking back on a wise old English professor I had. And as you were speaking today, I realized that everything you say <laughs> is bullshit. And I left. Um, and so, you know, I stayed I stayed kind of, you know, in a, a fugue of liberalism for a little while, but then but eventually just got a job and had to pay taxes and things became very clear. Well, you mentioned bartending. Well, AOC, right? And and now it's not just bartending, but you can go with, <clears throat> to a degree in, in, in nothing, sociology, basically, to bartending and then into the United States Congress. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's definitely an upwardly mobile path. Uh, I, I don't recommend it necessarily. You know where else I can go with a sociology degree? At least I, I could if I were doing it now, um, especially if I could declare myself some kind of non-binary, um, you know, quasi-trans victim. I could fly a plane. I could, I could, you know, go to American Airlines and say, I would like to be a pilot. Do you have any experience? No, sir, I do not. <laughs> but I am non-binary. And if you tell me no, then you are violating my demand for equity. There is much more to talk about, but for the rest of the story, check out the full episode of The Dr. Duke Show.
If you have a smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Apple TV, consider downloading the Freedom Project media app. It's 100% free and includes all of our weekly shows, plus lecture series, archive programs, and award-winning animated videos for families like the Presidential Minute, Battles of America, and Heroes of the West. Don't rely on the social media giants to keep you informed. Simply download the Freedom Project media app from your app store and allow notifications. And we'll let you know when a new video is ready. All right, friends, we've got a summer love story to leave you with. And it's a love story that has been building for decades, six decades to be exact. Let's take a look at the airport engagement that has everybody talking. Spend time in busy Tampa International Airport and missed connections can happen if you're not paying attention. Here. That is, unless it's a romantic one. We admired each other from a distance. I never thought I had a chance for this. Six decades in the making. All week long, I've been acting like a giddy fool. Tampa dermatologist Dr. Thomas McMeekin first met Nancy Gambell in high school in California. I had a crush on her. She was a cheerleader. They went on a few dates as college students, but ended up marrying other people. So we lost track until the reunion. The first high school reunion was 10 years ago, but... I had my wife, and she was with her husband. Fast forward to three weeks ago when Thomas RSUP'd to his 60th high school reunion. Then I hear from her and she says, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing you again. And Finally, their connection was on time. I thought, thank God I don't wear makeup. I would have stuff just running down my face. I was crying. Nancy says she wasn't expecting Friday's proposal. Not at an airport. Not at an airport. And I said, well, I'll surprise you. <sighs> I did that. Nor did the pair think the video would get so many clicks. One of my staff said, it's gone viral. I said, viral what? But if there is a viral message, it's that love is the strongest connection, even if it's delayed. <laughs> It's wonderful because we don't have a lot of life left and to be able to spend it in that way with this person is the dream come true. Aww. He's her lobster. Oh, you know what that is? That, He's her lobster? Uh, it's probably some cartoon, right? No, it's from Friends, Phoebe, Le Lobsters Mate for Life. All right, okay, anyway, all so right. what you didn't hear there was actually the speech that Thomas gave to Nancy. You just see, you know, him getting down on one knee. Good use of on the pillow, pillow there. Yes. But here's what he said. Here's what he said. My dearest Nancy, it's been 60 years since we first met, 56 years since we first dated, 10 years since I saw you last, and 20 days since we've rekindled. <laughs> you have always been the one I had a crush on since your cheerleader days. He likes to bring that up. Uh, I want to spend the rest of my life with you to cherish every moment we will have together, to make every day an exciting new adventure, to grow old with you and wake up in your arms every morning, to share our dreams and aspirations, to laugh and cry and support one another through thick and thin. That's sweet. It, 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 and at their age, you know, it really reminds me of the biblical uh, concept in Ephesians chapter 5 about redeeming the time. Mm -hmm. Just really taking advantage of the time you have and uh, making it count, so to speak. Right, Katie? Yeah, that, that's a fun photo that. they got she there. She said yes. She said yes. She's like, I did it. 
And she's just like, ah, I'm in an airport getting proposed <laughs> to. She goes, how embarrassing. Intru- yeah, how Can't embarrassing. believe this is happening. But here we are. And as Nancy said, I mean, we don't, we don't know. I mean, how much time they got left. Well, Might you, as well. well. You and I don't know how much time I don't, we yeah. have left, right? This is true. This is very true. Yeah, no guarantees. Just live. Live every day. Live. Live moss. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up Educated for this week. And I like that we are ending on a love note. How nice. A how high note nice. and a love note. I like it. Good stuff. And we learn every week. We (laughs) learn a lot from the shows we do. And thank you guys. Uh, Send us your comments, your feedback. For Katie and myself, we appreciate you guys watching, listening, sharing this on social media, and supporting the show. And until next week, stay educated, America.